said you were a wizard. Do the gods owe you any favors? Yeah. There are dangers, but I see you care little for those. The spirit of this place extract a heavy toll. Then I will pay them. Hey everybody, this is the Opposed Rules Podcast. Uh, I'm Raleel and I'm online as always with Bill. Uh, and we are going to be talking about Mithras's animism system today on our podcast uh, and the full breadth of everything that it covers from examples and hacks and where it's represented in media and how you might think about it to the definition of stuff. It's going to be a great time. Please stick around and listen. So we yeah we are talking about animism the animism system in in Mithras. Yeah, well maybe we should talk about what what the kind of the general definition of this is from the game's perspective. Dealing with spirits. Uh spirits in the spirit world uh and sometimes I suppose spirits in the material world. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I know, right? Uh, <laughs> so so and and how to how to uh have bargains with them, how to extract services from them the power that you gain from that so what, what how do you see it how do you see it bill yeah i mean it's so i think yeah, it's it's very broad like using the term animism like in the real world it's a term from anthropology really so it's it, it covers a very broad spectrum of let's say belief and practice in the game the way that mithras uses it is animism is magic work through communion with spirits in the spirit world it, but the but the animism system in mithras does try to cover anything that you might think of that's in this kind of territory it's as broad as the worship of gods is across across the world and across fiction we could say i think i think from a uh from the game's perspective they kind of distinguish it from from some of the other magic systems that are there um partially based on belief system and partially based on what the well you know what the power of the particular thing is and how you interact with it so you might think about spirits as you have you strike a negotiation or a bargain with them in some fashion or you may in fact enslave them where if you're looking at something more like theism theism you don't really interact with the gods on that level you praise them you exhort them you show your devotion to them and then you get power from that where this is more directly you have a, you have a relationship with them and you exercise that relationship very directly to get them to do a thing for you i think it's i think it's a little different way of thinking about it um it's you know if you could kind of look over all the magic systems you know whether it's you doing the power or somebody else doing the power or somebody else giving you the power and you kind of hold on to it is becomes an important distinction across these magic systems. This one is definitely the other thing is doing it, and you have negotiated that service with them. Yeah, I mean, it is quite. It does distinguish itself from the other systems because it's the least direct of the, in quotes, magical systems. So yeah, it, it's different in that there are these entities, these spirits that it's those spirits that are providing this magic rather than the magician or whatever 
well magician or worshipper either calling on a god i suppose that you know there is a bit of a connection with a deity sure um sure yeah some of the higher powered spirits are, are pretty indistinguishable from gods yeah and there is a bit of a question is you know to when does a when does a spirit become a god or can a spirit be worshipped as a god if it's big enough and powerful enough and you could maybe like perhaps you could say that animists may actually think about gods as big spirits so i think that's one of the one of the things that it, the mithras itself inherits from runequest and glorantha it's that that there is a bit of a in some places a bit of a gray area between gods and spirits when spirits get very very big but right generally in the system we're talking about smaller uh not as powerful spirits and you know those spirits do cover a broad range of spirit types and i think that's one of the things that you know is in the animism chapter it does make it clear that you know it's potentially all these things but you can think about what do we mean when we talk about spirits and people might initially think of in the west of oh you know spirits are you're talking about the ghosts you're talking about the spirits of the dead as one type and and that is a type of spirit of course but it is not the only type but when you think about when i was thinking about fictional sources of this what can we use in terms of the game or how do we make sense of what this is you know think about how ghosts are presented and used in in fiction and in fantasy let's say or or, or spirits of any, of any variety i mean it's we have you know the the jinn as, as in the bardemus stories which we'll talk about a little bit later you know of course there's plenty of stuff in movies and whatnot yeah when you think about animism it's like well a type of animist is a druid so druids right. are you know in the way if you want to understand what are animists well druids are animists so if you think about british celtic druids they are very much in an animist tradition in as much as they they call on spirits and in mithras's terms in in mythic britain um that's how they perform magic they call on favors you know they move into the spirit world of anwen and call on spirits uh, from there to to do them favors really in you know making some kind of bargain with them they're distinguished also from the saxon spirits and they don't uh, druids never bind spirits so they don't use fetishes in contrast to the saxons and saxon leeches which is are the equivalent of druids or animists and they German, do yeah. yeah they do bind spirits in fact they have their own different spirit world that's the other thing about mythic britain yeah it's kind of interesting you get everybody gets their own spirit world and i'm like well that's kind of neat yeah. before reading mythic britain i didn't really that didn't really click for me but yeah it does make sense that you are you have completely different traditions they exist in in their own different worlds because they look completely different and right things behave differently there one of the things i actually quite like is if you think about like in terms of like how do we how do we imagine interacting with these things like how do they how do how do you act and how do you behave with these things i think conan the barbarian the 1982 film with arnold schwarzenegger actually does have a couple of good moments there with with spirits and oh it really does like especially when you think about bringing conan back from the dead 
is kind yeah of that is that's like that's like a great example of spirit combat right there right i mean it's a you you're trying to bind bind the spirit to i i would assume they're trying to bind the spirit to heal yes. conan yes and but they have to go through a very real and yes. physical spirit combat yes uh, um, and and everybody everybody is participating in that too, right? They're trying to keep it, keep him from being taken away. The shaman there is is doing some doing some sort of chant, which I assume is, is spirit combat. And Valeria is swinging around her dagger at the at the at the uh, at the spirits. That's really straight up a very visceral core image of of Mithra's spirit combat right there. It absolutely is. It's a it's a great little sequence. You know, one of the things that I've when I've thought about that sequence. I mean, one you can see how long it takes. So I think we we might get onto this a bit later about how you how you use spirits. But it's definitely this is a ceremony. I mean, in the actual film, it takes up you know, several minutes. Of this isn't something that just goes click. There you go. You know, this thing works like a like you ima- imagine a spell. It's a big for a film it goes on for five or six minutes they've got the part where they have to prepare conan's conan's body i mean they paint the yes. individual letters on it and they wrap it yeah. you know they bring him to the special location and i mean it's it's a very much a ritualistic mm-hmm. practice that is a major event in the movie i mean certainly that would be any sort of encounter in any role-playing game uh, yeah. and with some with quite a bit of setup too yes <laughs> And you can, you know, in terms of how you might think of the skills, you can think of that whole ceremony as an extended binding ritual, like using mm-hmm. using the binding skill and potentially like, okay, there's one person there who maybe has the binding skill, but the other characters in that scene are maybe augmenting that skill. And the other thing is, I think, I think the character of the Valeria character if you remember in the in the scene Mako the, sort of the wizard warns her that the spirit I think what's his words the spirits of this place exact a heavy toll or something like that very um, good quote that is dead on and I think the way that you might interpret that is that Valeria is actually at the end of the scene she has been possessed by a curse spirit of some kind and oh yeah uh, when yeah, I yeah she well, when I thought about this, you know the arrow that gets shot by Thulsa Doom towards yep. the party as they run away? I wonder if that spirit has cast attract missiles onto her and that's the nature of its curse. If you're shot at, you're going to get hit by an arrow because this spirit has cursed you in return for allowing you to heal Conan in this. Or maybe, yeah, you know, maybe. she lost that spirit combat. She was fighting off spirits that were trying to curse him or not allowing the healing to happen and her intervention you know using her willpower she may have managed to defeat one spirit or something but she in the end is actually being beaten and, and is possessed by a, some kind of curse yeah and maybe, maybe maybe that curse spirit was able to cast you know attract missiles mm. out of the sorcery or out of the sorcery thing yeah i don't know if that's a stock curse spirit thing it's but, not um... <laughs> but that's that's the thing when you when you kind of think about let's take a bit of fiction and trying to translate it into mechanics you can certainly do that i mean there are for instance spirits that have sorcery spells so yes. you could think well it's not necessarily a cursed spirit in the strict terms that mithras is providing you an example but there certainly can be hostile spirits that have sorcery spells that's perfectly possible 
I suppose the other thing about that scene is that perhaps this is a, a, a place that attracts spirits. So you don't know, you're going to end up with, well, we want a healing spirit, but by doing the ceremony, you're going to attract a lot of other spirits as well. Who knows what they're going to do? Yeah, I mean, you, you, for that particular scene, you could even go, if you really wanted to be very, very strict about it, you could say, well, that cursed spirit cursed her endurance and she failed her endurance role against the poison right uh at that point and and that would be very dangerous if you're going up against a a snake priest who uses who uses a lot of venoms yes uh that would be very very dangerous yes that's that's a nice one actually yeah i mean that's the interesting thing that i think animism is considered this when people come across it the generally the reaction is well you know how do i how do i handle this and this is maybe a, a very strange system or it's i just don't understand how you use it and yet you can see in one of the most mainstream can i say mainstream sword and sorcery <laughs> mainstream fantasy film <laughs> let, 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 let's say mainstream fantasy film conan and there's a great there's a great example and and, and it, it kind of fits very very well with with how animism animism works and it's even like a party of heroes has got the whole it really is very iconic example i mean you yeah. you'll hardly get any better than that put it into the minds of of many many role players who, who grew up on very stock fantasy sort of stuff it's very much in that space yeah so that i mean that's the way I'd, if you know if people have got questions about how do you picture it that's that's sort of one way so I thought about this year, Ghibli films like Spirited Away, of course, and Princess Mononoke. They're two examples that you can you can find that spirit presence is really big in those. I mean, Spirited Away is all spirits, really. Oh, yeah, yeah, Prin- yeah. I mean, yeah, Princess Mononoke is a, maybe actually a bit more usable, I should say, in that it is about this presence of spirits in a very material world. It, it's, right. a, it's a bit easier to, to draw from, that one. Did you put Ghost there? I did. I did put that? Ghost. So, so I have I haven't seen Ghost in in probably thirty years. Um, but but one thing that I remember was you know for most of that movie, Patrick Swayze, Patrick Swayze's spirit is communicating with with Demi Moore, mm. and there's one particular scene, and in in this is probably most the most of what I remember of the movie where Patrick Swayze actually like influences the physical world by turning on the knob of a stove that the the uh, that the villain is leaning on and it and it distracts and causes the villain to jump or something like that um but that i was like that's a straight up example of using telekinesis power directly in the physical world i mean and you know it shows also how how that spirit can have a real relationship with the physical world and the physical mm. world can have a relationship with the spirit uh, in the sense. And it takes it out of that, you know, it takes it out of the normal traditional fantasy sense. I mean, it's, yes. you know, it's certainly not medieval or sword and sorcery or anything like that. That's a modern, modern day thing. Right. And if I remember right, Whoopi Goldberg spends a whole bunch of time being the, the animist in this and doing yes. the communication mm back to Demi Moore and she's quite aware that you know the spirit Patrick Swayze's steward is right our spirit is right there yeah um yeah, yeah Patrick it... Swayze and Patrick Stewart wow <laughs> okay <laughs> beat me uh, up 
Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah and, and in fact, she's not very. That, one of the funny things is is that she she kind of she thinks herself as a bit of a fake, the Whoopi Goldberg character. But yeah, but she is actually sensitive to spirits. So that's a little bit of a subtle thing there. And it, it, again, it kind of ties into Mithras animism that if you're not a shaman, if you're or a or whatever or, or a druid or a kahuna, if you are a what's called a follower in the in the hierarchy, if you're just an animist, you know the skills trance and binding but you don't really know much more than that and you have like a sense you you, you're able to detect spirits with your trance skill uh, over time and you're able to command spirits a little bit with your binding skill and i think you can kind of you know it's a funny example but you can kind of see it in whoopi goldberg's character there is like she does actually have she has some sensitivity and she has some ability but it's kind of latent like she doesn't completely realize it so it's another kind of yeah. it's another way to draw on well how do i well i'm not one of these ultra skilled people i don't i don't need yeah i don't i don't need to be shaking shaking fetishes and beating drums exactly. to be to be a shaman I can, I can i can you know be something else even even somebody who doesn't actually believe in the thing and yet there it is yes if you want an example, if you want more of a concrete example of how to uh, how to use animism, then Monster Island is a good source for that because it provides you with a culture. All of the different tribes have are associated with a different totem animal, and they have a fairly involved way of interacting with spirits and using animism one of the things about it in the setting is that everybody all the people if you're in a tribe you know the skills trance and binding all of the tribe people know these skills not just the the kahunas the shaman and so and that enables them to either sense spirits and also command spirits with their binding skill, which a kahuna may have given them. Here's a gift for you in a fetish like a spirit, and you can command that spirit using your binding skill, even though you don't, you know, that's the that's the extent of your ability. But Yeah, you don't you don't have any knowledge of of where the spirits are. You can't even interact with them. You are just mm-hmm. aware that they are everywhere um, at that follower level. Yeah, uh, and that, and even that takes some time. And you you know you're probably not going to be very skilled if you are in that situation. Uh, you know, it might be difficult for you to use the spirit, but you've got some ability and some chance to do that. I was I was just going to say that's that's uh, it's a little different than than some of the the other systems that I've I've played in that mm. uh, that deal with spirits. Um, like currently, I'm in a I'm in a werewolf game, and everybody there, all of the werewolves, they are all effectively shaman by Mithras terms, right? Like they can okay. they can they can easily move into the spirit world, and they do in fact do so physically their their whole body moves along with it and it's a little bit little bit different model than uh, than what we see there with the uh, shadow run um there's astral perception and after astral projection which is a little bit closer to the mithras model many wizards can or many mages can deal with spirits or at least full ones can deal with it. their kind of combination of sorcerer and animist in mithras terms i suppose okay. um, so a little, a little bit a little bit different models than than, than many of the other ones the core Mithras rules are maybe a bit overwhelming in as much as it provides you with, with actually a fairly straightforward system, but then a lot of examples and a lot of uh, maybe it's like this or maybe it's like this or maybe it's like that. Right. Um, right. So, you know, you have to have if you're using animism, you have to be quite clear about what you want. Like, how how do you want these things to work? Uh, you have to have a clear story and it probably should involve some discussion 
with your player and and how that's go- how that's going to go. You know, Mithras has that whole magic chapter that everybody goes blah 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 flavor text in there, or I don't have to read that. Get me to the core power stuff. But I think I think yeah, no, it's not like that <laughs> at all. You really were you really should go back and read that. I mean, that's kind of geared somewhat towards the for towards the GM. I think it's important for the players mm-hmm. to read it too, so that they have an understanding that no, really, this is a this is a framework you need to define the cosmology and you need to define the world a little bit more to actually make that go. You need to define your magic your magic recovery rates and how belief systems work a bit so that you can have a clear clear idea as player and GM how that's going to to work so one of the things that's come up in in discussions that have happened you know on the design mechanism forum is you know, how am i using spirits and this is the way that i'm using spirits and I, I remember one of the things that came up that highlighted some difference of how people see things is for example somebody using spirits as heal bots or like with heal i remember yeah. with medicine spirits if you don't have a well-defined idea of what your setting is like you, you can certainly end up with something like this which is certainly maybe the authors did not expect and this has happened more than once where oh okay you can have these medicine spirits that are just <laughs> buzzing around somebody and like you can have well yeah let's have three medicine spirits that are able to just heal any damage that you do for a a one-to-one magic point to hit point damage and it's like well then you've made this tank character that can take you know an enormous amount of damage if you think well a a spirit having say 14 15 magic points each and you've got three spirits that's 45 points of damage that you know oh but you know oh but the medicine spirits can heal instantly and why wouldn't you do that and it is called out in the rules i noticed when i was rereading the the animism chapter near the beginning of the chapter where it talks about spirit societies cults and traditions it does say in settings where animism is a core part of belief spirits are fundamental parts of society and treated with reverence respect and fear not as magical batteries or buffs they're not tools right no and i think they have consciousness yes and and i think you can if you approach them in the same way that you might approach sorcery if you take that same situation where you're where you're acting you know spirits there are acting almost like a damage sponge let's say if you approach it in that very mechanical way well if you try and do that with the sorcerer, it's a lot harder, or with anyone else, any other of the magic traditions, it's a lot harder to do that compared to this way of using spirits in animism. I think it tells you that it's not um, necessarily prevented by the rules. It's not in the it's not in the spirit of the rules, could we say, to to sort, no. of, to sort of do that, you know. Um, but I mean, technically you could. And I think it, you know, one of the things that occurred to me, I think, as that discussion was going on is that although I think that's, I think it's a bad fit for animism in that particular respect, it's actually a really good fit if you use animism as a way of, of mod- uh, using it in the way that I think you propose, which is to turn them in, turn the spirits into something else if you're thinking about it, like as as actually heal bots, you know, if you if you're doing a, a future like a cyberpunk or future setting yeah oh yeah so yeah i mean so so they're not intended to be heal batteries but let, let's pretend for a moment your setting supports that yeah. yeah then you can then you can certainly run you can certainly run with it and presents an excellent mechanical model for that you might re redo some of the stuff and i don't want to go too deep into the home, homebrew stuff right now on, no, you know all yeah. the hacks right going back to the conan example you can see there that generally it's there in a more like ritual like way rather than a battery purely as a magical effect 
I think I think I think it kind of hi- highlights some of the some of the difficulties that people do run into yeah. with animism. It, it's a remarkably big elephant to try and eat all of all, all at once. It, it's it's su- yeah. it's subtly powerful. It has it's not mechanically difficult at all, but there's a lot there are a lot of implications that come out of it that are somewhat undefined and require your work to get into. I, I mean, and I think that makes it fascinating and interesting and useful. Um, but but also requires yeah. the work. You've got to spend some time on it. Defining the the setting is is a big part of it, and also as an extension of that, imagining what spirits are like. Like, what is it like to negotiate with a spirit? So thinking about you know actually using spirits and negotiating or negotiating or binding. I mean, one of the things I I think I've neglected is like I've tended to treat spirits as as yes, they are these. Those the entities, they have some kind of intelligence. I haven't been very good with negotiation, I think. Like, um, I tend to treat them like as spirits will work for you if you can bind them, but otherwise not. <laughs> the way that I imagine them is you do have to go through like a binding process through some kind of spirit combat. And you can imagine spirit combat doesn't have to be, you can regard spirit combat as social combat in some instances. Sure. I mean, certainly with a friendly spirit or, or yeah. even a neutral spirit, that might not be, that might not be, you know, an actual battle for your life. It might be a battle of riddles, or or yeah, it could be absolutely who can who can paint the prettiest picture in their mind, or something like that. Yeah. There's some you know some context that that comes out of that that is probably probably relates very directly to what the spirit is, right? It's yes, I and mean, you're not going to be having a spirit combat with a medicine spirit by proving you're the you're the best warrior, <laughs> probably. Um, but 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 you know you're you know going and having a spirit combat with your ancestor maybe as simple as a social negotiation with mm-hmm. them it's like you're trying to convince you know great 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 grandmother yeah. that you need some help in that instance with a with an ancestor spirit um, one of the things I first missed with ancestor spirits is they they are never supposed to be bound into a fetish because uh, ancestor spirits are quite they can be quite powerful they tend to have very high skills and possibly quite a few other abilities but they are the archetypal spirit that that you call on for a favor that you, you right. know this there's, there's one thing that you you're asking them to do or asking them help for something and they're also they are going to be almost certainly just as intelligent as you are and just as able to communicate as you are you know? and i think i think at monster island they they kind of talk about the the binding of ancestor spirits a bit don't they don't they like like it is some it's somewhat disrespectful or yeah or they, right. if they're bare or if they're bound they they have they have to be kept and worshipped by by the particular tribe i was just thinking about the the social implications that come out of that yeah i mean one of the examples is they get uh, like in the in one of the the village close by to port grimsand there is an ancestor spirit bound to a giant turtle uh, because it's a totem animal it's a... as you as you would why wouldn't you bind yourself yeah. to a giant turtle <laughs> <laughs> it's a acts as a kind of village guardian or something like that so it's quite powerful and it's in this giant creature which you know wanders about the village so i can imagine every village potentially having one or more very large totem animals which are actually inhabited by a ancestor spirit you know you might there might be other ancestor spirits somewhere around but they're not going to be bound to anything that, that you know they might be in a 
a sacred place or something like that. Right. I think ancestor spirits will have the highest level maybe of intelligence. I mean, I think an interesting question to ask yourself is uh, what is it like talking to a, a nature spirit, for instance? Uh, the first question to ask is, are you talking to a nature spirit? You know, or like, you know, hi, how's it going? Nature spirit might not be the right way to do it. <laughs> I mean, that's uh, so this has happened to me a few times where we've like, especially when people are trying to just get some information. You know, is, is there a spirit here? Yes, there is. Oh, I'm trying to find this information about what, you know, what happened here yesterday or something or or what has this spirit seen? And if it's a if it's a nature spirit that's like a um, that has powers of uh, domain or something over an area of of a forest or something like that, you know, you could ask, well, what can it tell you? And my interpretation of what it could be or, or how it communicate is it it wouldn't communicate with you verbally at all if it was only operating through plants, for instance. And you have to ask yourself, well, what what would it be sensitive to? So it, it could tell you something, but it would tell you through... Literally, what are, what are its senses, right? I mean, yeah. that's... What yeah. does it perceive? You might even start with something like, what happened here yesterday? Well, you need to... How are you going... How does this <laughs> get described? What is... How does yesterday get described right. to an entity that doesn't really have notions of time? Yep. Um, or... or or, you know, perhaps you just you just show the, you know, you have a, a, a mental image of the sun moving backwards mm. in the sky and and then you, you show it from the sun, sun, sunset to sunrise and, and then you stop, you know, at some point and, and that gives them the impression that you mean yesterday. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And you could say, well, you know, what things could it tell you? It could it could probably tell you what animals move through here. You know, it could tell you it could tell you the weather. It could tell you what plants got eaten or what plants were fertilized or you know what plants captured something or or maybe even what was in the air potentially these kind of things so it could probably tell you that uh, you know yes something moved through here or there was some burning here and maybe you know plants got burned or chopped down or all this or, kind of or, stuff. or you know or great ma- a great many two-legged animals move through here yeah. or something like that right like you know yeah. you'd have to you you kind of have to phrase it to their to their particular perceptions and and then you give them the information but it's certainly going to be colored by what the spirit has to say yes they're not going to think like you the advice that they are like npcs is is a good one but i also think that they're not quite the same as other npcs they're going to have like their perceptions are going to be quite different and that you know their abilities and their ability to communicate and also that they're not all going to be intelligent they're not going to be intelligent in the way that we understand maybe you know right. you know an, animal spirits are going to be a bit more aware than plant spirits but they're going to have similar limitations really and so, I mean, all of this is, is is maybe quite difficult to sort of imagine how you might, you know, how how a discussion might go. But it's a, you know, you have to. I think it's interesting to take these things on board, and that's a, it's a challenge for a GM and a and a player to make this kind of thing work. Um, yeah, and I think I think it really goes towards having that conversation with the player and, and kind of defining how that cosmology is going to look and how that that animism is going to look because there's going to be a whole bunch of different kinds of these things right or there can be a whole bunch of different kinds yeah. of these things whether whether you're you know that nature spirit that nature guy you know who's who's you know shaking fetishes and and beating drums or if you're binding gin to pentacles and whatnot mm. um it, it can be they can be very different you know maybe maybe you are literally 
going and talking to the ancestor spirit or the spirit of your loved one or something like that they can be they can be very very different yeah exactly i mean that, that's a good example actually that isn't i mean although there's a like speaking about jinn and how you might deal with them because i think um pete nash references the bartimaeus series uh so there is a supplement that you can download about jinn and pete has treated them as spirits uh, basically sorcerous spirits uh, but but the thing is about dealing with jinn at least as much as the bartimaeus series goes you know if you don't make a pentacle protecting yourself they are going to attack you jinn are always hostile in this in this kind of setting that might not be necessarily a, an accurate depiction of jinn in a general sense like in other other works of fiction but it right. just it just happens in the bartimaeus is like that's how you do it they, they're going to they're going to basically kill you <laughs> Um, it does mention the carefully doing the pentacle, but ah. then it says it says the most important aspect is knowing the true name, which allows you to pry and allows you to summon them because you can't right. you can't get them here without that. Uh, uses trance skill to perform the ritual and calls the name of the gym with, uh, to the prepared pentacle. Then you spend some magic points and you're good to go. Um, so I mean, it's I don't I don't want to say it's exactly tapered over, but it's it kind of lays out the risk is just. These things are dangerous. If you just pull out their true name without some ability to contain them, it's going to go poorly. Right. It, it actually reminds me very much of the sorcery evoke, which is pretty much very much like that. Um, you can summon them up and it doesn't give you any ability to control them. Okay. I mean, actually, that makes sense. So I suppose if the battle of wits is represented by spirit combat and the binding skill. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it does actually raise the thing about this difference between using tenacity points and magic points i mean i found well personally i think using tenacity is much better than using magic points so so i hadn't even considered that before i saw you bring it up one time uh, frankly i i think that i think that's absolutely brilliant it solves so many little tiny issues that i had with it and i think it's a good way to have spirits interact with people who are not wizards right they now can participate in spirit combat there's something that is they're going to be drained by going to impact them in some fashion in my in my online game we actually use tenacity for that and we've been kind of the gm has been kind of playing with that and and has been introduced a few spirits into it and it's very it's very fascinating honestly you know the real danger of madness is coming out of it yes. and, and introducing a very a nice a nice horror element to the game that wasn't previously there and right. I'm, I'm very much enjoying that i mean yeah i think it solves a lot of problems um the, you know the connection between sanity or stress is perfectly well modeled there with if you're using tasty and if you're thinking about well this is a battle of wits then it makes much more sense to me to use tenacity than it does to use magic points and you yeah. you have the whole problem there is that well if you are wearing down people's magic points and the spirit's magic points you can end up with the spirit with no magic points and there's like well it can't do anything now you've drained it of magic points so right. it, it, it creates some weird rule anomalies which are completely solved by using tenacity i mean it's great tenacity is there in, in the rules but the the whole magic point thing with with spirits is that that's a holdover from RuneQuest, really i mean i think the whole animism system is one of the things actually that is a big development from the older RuneQuest rules that is not represented very well actually in any of the former rules the RuneQuest 6 and animism new rules for, for dealing with spirits are much much better i think than before that the spirits are much more nuanced and interesting and varied 
and the whole system is is way clearer now than it than it used to be so i think that is one of the big innovations i think like in terms of if you're looking at the you know what does mithras bring to brp runequest i think this this is one of the things this is one of the bits yeah. of the rules i think are really really good it's a fan it's a honestly a fantastic system for for whatever game i mean it's it's i you know there are there are ones that are like it in other systems but i think i think you're you're completely right in in brp RuneQuest family it's pretty unique mm. um and in um, medieval fantasy stuff i think it is relatively unique dnd doesn't really have a, a, a super good analog to this at least not in this edition there was the shires back in uh 2e alcadim setting that was pretty good right um there was sort of similar to this it it brings it brings a lot i think it really brings a lot to mm. this uh I mean, what, yeah, when I th- yeah, when I think about things like the D and D Druid, you can see some of the things that you can see in animism. Clearly, that things like shape changing and healing, we could say, you know, from the as far as I don't know D and D very well, but you can see all that modelled in animism. So you can make a druid out of this system quite comfortably. And but... I think you could. To go back to your to, to your heal bot example. Yeah. Um, a real, a really good, really good example of that would have been the the D and D spell Goodberry, where you eat a you it makes a set a portion of berries, mm-hmm. and each one of those berries heals an incredibly small amount of hit points, like one. Okay. But I mean, honestly, that that's that seems very much like a fetish, right? Like that's a, that's a yeah. you buy, you bind a healing spirit, and and that represents the amount of healing that it's got. Mm-hmm. Right. And when it's done, you're done. It can be easily modeled in that fashion. It'll it'll look a little different. Don't get me wrong. Um, but but as you go up in power with that druid, you're going to be gaining access to with two spirits that have more and more power. Eventually, getting up, you know, to these intensity three spirits that are very powerful elementals or or mm. maybe shape allow shape changing into pretty powerful creatures it would be pretty good why don't we talk about some of the settings since we kind of touched on these as we've gone through them so let's start with monster island because i know you run an active campaign on monster island and have for quite some time yeah i mean i would recommend that if people are interested how do i structure it how do i you know what what particular spirits do i use what's appropriate Monster Island is a good one because it does give you all of that kind of stuff. And, you know, you can take from it what you want. There's all kinds of detail in there about using tiki's and binding spirits to tiki's and and where they go and what they do Uh, you know ancestors spirits bound to big animals each totem has different spirits so for instance if you're a member of the python totem one of the spirits has the the animal trait mesmerize which is taken taken from the python creature the the ability to mesmerize a, a prey is like well okay that's one of the creature traits that you can acquire by using one of those spirits bind the spirit and it manifests its ability in you then you have that ability to to mesmerize somebody potentially so it's different creatures have different abilities like the octopus tribe has the the grappler creature trait this this kind of thing so so it's, it's good to have all that stuff it's a good template for for you to use i like how deeply it's integrated into the savage culture on the island even even to the point of some some rather rather distasteful things that yeah. that are there i mean they they talk about you know skinning and and how yeah. people's skins are kept yeah. and considered it's considered to be honorable to to have, when you die to be skinned and 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 to have your you know have deeds recorded on them 
um, because that that skin represents you know its power over somebody mm. or or you know the the whole the whole head taking thing that head taking and head shrink the head shrinking ritual if if you know mm. they if i remember right you bind a spirit to the shrunken head uh and and it's it's a torture for the spirit and it's only done to the, mm. your enemies right but yeah. And I think I think somewhere in there they actually suggest an adventure where you go and recover an ancestor's shrunken head so you can free the ancestor spirit. Yep. Uh, and it seems that seems like it's very very in depth into the culture that is there yes. on the island for the savages. Uh, really, kind of gives it more life than just a well. This is a set of tools that I that I have. This is mm -hmm. no no. This is really a belief system I've got. Yeah, uh, and I get power from that. Yeah, and it's it goes pretty big as well. So that the I don't want to. I think we probably have already spoiled it, talked about it, but it ties to what I what I think of one of the secrets of the setting, which is the tribal totems are connected with something quite big in the setting. They may not have seen it, but they're the most powerful group on the island, really, because of their connection with their with their animal totems. Uh, I won't say any more than that. That and I. I, I <laughs> I really like that. You need to go listen. You need to go listen to the Monster Island. There's another. Yeah, you could. Uh, yeah. Mythos matters. Yeah, right. Uh, but one thing I am doing at the moment is that the so in my I've, I've actually got two separate groups on Monster Island and they're in actually slightly different settings. So my one of the groups is kind of on a bit of hiatus, but the the other one is actually a tribal group. And in that setting, I've changed the I've used the human option for the for the tribe so instead of them being lizard people they are they're humans and but everything else is still the same and one of the things and the the pcs are members of the tribe and the whole the whole campaign is based around their perspective and, and their experience and their interests and they're very much tied to their locale and their, and their village. And for instance, they they haven't even yet been to the um, to the port or almost <laughs> anywhere except their their local area. And we've been the game's been running for several months. That's that's fantastic. I mean, that's it's a it's a very interesting sort of game where, and I assume that you're doing it where most of the characters, if not all of the characters, are the hunter warrior yes. archetype that they've got. And do you have do you have any do you have any animus PCs yet or shaman yes. PCs? Yes. So so what I was going to say is that one of the things I'm kind of designing, and this is like maybe a it's a bit unfair to say it's a gap in the rules, but again, it's one of those things that is really difficult to be too specific about. But and it is described it's described in Monster Island and it's described in the in the core rule book is qualifying to be a full shaman okay or be a full kahuna and the question is what is that like because in the rules it says well this is dangerous it involves like some kind of quest let's say graduate as a shaman but it doesn't really say a lot more than that it gives you some kind of hints but it doesn't there isn't a concrete example of of what that really looks like so apart from there's monster in Monster Island, there's a few more details like that. Basically, that it says the prospective shaman goes and, and starves themselves, and so when they're near death, they go through this ceremony and um, to go and awaken their fetch. Yeah. Yes, uh, but that's just about it. And I I thought, well, okay, what that isn't going to be that doesn't feel very. Uh, that's okay, but it's a bit doesn't. It's not very satisfying. It's not very concrete. 
And what I did is I wrote a story. I wrote an origin story for the tribe and I included which tribes are friendly. So that the player character's tribe is Python and they are friendly with, I think, four other tribes. So Moth, Octopus, Spider and I've forgotten <laughs> the other one. And they, they're enemies. I... They're enemies with the Varanri, which is Lizard and the ape, which is Kanji. And what I thought then is, okay, the, the shaman ceremony is reenacting the origin story of the tribe, and you have to represent each one of these tribes as figures, as people, like somebody has to play them. So the player characters are going to play the allied tribes, the the moth and the octopus, etc., with the shaman as the python. And then what they have to do is they then have to capture enemy tribe members they have to capture one of the varanri and they have to capture one of the kanji and and force them to play a role in this ceremony um that is that is absolutely fantastic that's so it that sounds beautiful i'll see how that goes and so the actual ceremony is going to be the the shaman or prospective shaman is going to be in the spirit world in the ceremony doing their thing so something's going to happen there but in the physical world the rest of the party have a this physical ceremony that have to go through with the two enemy tribe members there who who uh, kind of understand what their role is and there they've been kind of forced into this so a little bit of this comes from the old cults of prax something like this actually happens in a in a ceremony where the actual protagonist in the story there has to take part in this ceremony and in a, in a way it's kind of supposed to be a hero quest i think that's that's part of that's what a hero quest kind of means is that you you enact a ceremony but i, th I thought basically i'd take that and turn it into that okay this is actually the shaman's quest and we'll tie together the tribes and the story of the tribe with this ceremony and they'll hope they'll either die <laughs> or or they'll graduate as a as a full shaman and you know we'll see what and maybe something will happen to the other characters at the same time but that you know but that's one of the things that is is not clear is it, okay if, if there is this big dangerous ceremony what does one of these ceremonies look like you know if, and it's the gonna be the most important step that you take as an animist coming from a uh, like a spirit worshiper to a shaman that's the biggest step because you you get this fetch whether it's a an animal fetch uh, that's a that's a creature that you attract a spirit creature that you attract you know in this case probably a totem or it's a separate part of your consciousness and that would be from another a different tradition there is nothing really in the rules or in the campaign that that sort of gives you an example of what this what on earth does this look like so I'll see. I'll, you know that that's one of the things that I'm doing with the with the, that with that campaign. That that sounds honestly, that sounds amazing. That's that sounds like something that your players are very lucky to have. On it it well, sounds great. We'll we'll see how it goes. I mean, it's it's a lot of it really is from the older RuneQuest. So I've I've drawn a lot from how that how that works and it's uh, hero quest voices actually is really useful um and really when when you look at hero quest voices all of those stories are really drawn from stories around the world you know of all kinds of different traditions so you know if you really want to get into it you can you can read up and find and that's really what i did i just took a story from somewhere else and then just i fit in all these different totems into the story to write a very very simple story about the origin anyway but well it hasn't happened yet so I did, it might it might go really really 
badly wrong. But so far, it's, it's interesting, I think, because they partly because of the preparation. It's like, oh, geez, we have to, for one thing, each each of the characters has to be that totem, the kind of allied totem. It's like, oh, how do, yeah, how do I do that? How do I prepare for that? And at the same time, they also have to capture two two prisoners and, and keep them keep them alive and, re- and reasonably happy to participate in this coerced ceremony. So... That's the end of part one of our animism episode. There is more to come, which we'll get to in part two next time. Something I'd like to draw people's attention to is the Mithras and Leoness panel being run online as part of GenCon Online. It is the description I'm reading here is it is your chance to talk to the design mechanism team about all things Mithras and Leoness related. It is running Saturday the 1st of August at 7pm Eastern Daylight Time. It says it will run an hour here. It is a free event as long as you you have to register with Gen Con Online which is you can get to at gencon.com. Uh, you have to have Zoom and you have to reserve a ticket. I don't think there's any real practical limit on the number of tickets. And now it really is the end. We will see you next time.